Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. This message is a part of our series, Breathe, where we are reimagining life at the sustainable and abundant pace that Jesus offers. Well, good morning. My name is Matt, if you don't know me, and it's a privilege to share with you this morning. I'm the youth and young adults pastor here, and uh, this morning we're continuing on in our series called Breathe. And this series has been birthed out of the desire to step back and ask the question, what did Jesus really mean by life with him? That perhaps our fast-paced, technologically filled world, our hurry and hustle, is not the same as the abundant life that Jesus promised. I'd argue that our culture has even begun to see that there could be something wrong with what's going on here. That anxiety is on the rise, that we seem to have lost thoughtful discourse and the ability to disagree with others, especially others who think differently than us. And as much as we thought these supercomputers in our pockets would provide ease to our lives, we're discovering that they do anything but. Often said they're just adding, adding more clutter and causing our lives to be filled with more and more interruption and distraction than we could have ever imagined. And those social networks that we so optimistically latched onto, thinking they would help us reconnect with old friends and see what they're up to, became a place of competition, discontentment, envy, and fake news. And it's causing us to realize something's wrong. What looked like for a way for us to become better people has now proved in many ways to do quite the opposite. And so our cultures flocked to the self-help section in search of transformation, vacations and experience in search of life, the yoga studio in search of peace and mindfulness, the podcast library in search of knowledge, the personality profile in the search of self-understanding, and the tiny house in the search of freedom and simplicity, and finally Marie Kondo in the search of a spark of joy. And while these things are all uh, places to find health and goodness, they are not spaces to find life and life to the full. These are not spaces to find true fulfillment. They can't bring it, and asking them to do it is asking them to do something they never could. Because, friends, innate in us is this search for something deeper, a freer life not defined by a search engine, or by a marginless work hours or late night Netflix binge sessions, but instead one that's rooted in some sort of deeper meaning, some larger experience. Because when we look at our lives, we can't help but wonder with the modern poet Josh Ritter, I've been told I'd find some truth down in my bones, but I don't know. I don't know. I can't even seem to find my own road home, and I hope there's some truth down in my bones. Now listen to this, because he says, oh, when, oh, when, will I be changed? Oh, when, oh, when will I be changed from this devil that I am? Oh, when, oh, when will I be changed? He's looking at his life and he's seeing everything that his world around him is creating him to be, and then he's looking at his inner life and everything that it's creating him to be, and he's just going, I'm just stuck over and over again doing the same thing. Friends, as a church, We think the solution to this question doesn't come from some new app or six easy steps or from less stuff or emptying yourself or really from, or anything really from except the connection of life that is found in Jesus. 
that as we apprentice with Christ, empowered by the Spirit, that's how we become the me that we always want it to be, the who we long to become. It's what the Bible describes as love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I imagine if we truly became these things, which are descriptions of Jesus, that we'd be good news to our world in a way that would cause people to take notice. Because let's be honest, the busy, the flustered, on edge, needing a drink, modern person is not good news. Is it? That going and asking somebody, how's your day going, and hearing busy doesn't bring hope, does it? And that's why we've been doing this series called Breathe, because we recognize there is power in the space of a deep breath. There's power in breathing in the life that is in the Spirit. The Scripture refers to the Spirit in the Hebrew and the Greek as breath, the ruach, the pneuma. The Spirit is the breath of life. And as we slow down, as we breathe, we find the peace we've been looking for. So let's do this. We're going to take a second now. We're going to just stop. We're going to take a couple deep breaths, and we're going to pray, asking the Spirit to come and meet with us this morning. So let's take a couple deep breaths. Breathe out the craziness, the anxiety, the rattling, the endless stress, the frantic, the distraction. Now breathe in Christ. Let's pray. Spirit of living God, we pray that you'd come fall fresh on us this morning. We recognize our need for you, that true transformation can only come from you, Spirit. And so we pray that as we open up the scriptures together this morning, that you'd be speaking to us. You'd be calling us into deeper waters with you. And that you'd be coming, uh, Spirit, with the conviction that you promised, not one of condemnation, but one of calling us to more. So we pray, Holy Spirit, come in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So friends, I'd argue for you this morning that the solution to our problem is not something new. I don't come to you with new information this morning. I don't come to you with some brilliant idea of how we can change everything except for this. Let's walk down those old paths. Let's go down those well-trodden pathways of the saints, the paths of life with Christ. We've been looking at this invitation um, that Jesus gives in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, and we've been looking at Eugene Peterson's translation of it where he says this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. I don't know about you, but that sounds like good news to me. Because when I look at my life and I look at those who I meet with, it's tired, worn out, burned out. But there's this invitation to a different way, 
a different way than what our culture offers. It's to apprentice with Jesus, to be with him, to learn from him, how to be like him, learning his ways, learning the unforced rhythms of grace. Because Jesus' invitation is to a sustainable, abundant life with him, empowered by the Holy Spirit where we are slowly transformed to be like him. Let me say that again. Jesus' invitation is to a sustainable, abundant life empowered by the Holy Spirit where we are slowly transformed to be like him. The question, though, is how do we do this? This morning, I'd offer to you that it's by cultivating the soil, <clears throat> cultivating the soil of our inner life and the environment of our outer life. But as we cultivate the soil of our inner life and the environment of our outer life, we will find space for God, and we will find the presence of God with us. So to better understand this, let's open up the scriptures together. So it'll be up on the screen. It's in Luke 8 if you have your Bible or your smartphone or whatever else you read the scriptures on these days. Uh, read along with me. So first of all, there's these crowds that have been following Jesus because they're curious. They're curious because they see in Jesus something different. They see authority. They see power. They see this Jesus who's not only proclaiming the kingdom, but he's demonstrating it with miracles, with healing. And they want to know what's going on. And so Jesus, of course, is, he's teaching them and showing them the life, and he tells them this story. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on a good soil. They came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let them hear. And then in one of the, like this is the only parable that Jesus actually provides interpretation. He tells them what, what it actually means. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word of God with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time, when the time of testing comes, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and so they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. The word of the Lord. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you no doubt are very familiar with this story. You've heard it often in the context of sharing your faith and accepting Christ. And these are very faithful readings. This is mostly what Jesus is getting at, but I, I, I'd like to argue today that maybe there's another way of looking at it. That the word of the Lord doesn't just come then, but the word of the Lord comes to us every day. One of my professors, Michael Knowles, once told me about Jesus' parables. They are simple enough for anyone to understand and confusing enough to confound the most brilliant. So perhaps we can look at it another way today. And so, uh, just to be clear before I continue, what we're not talking about this morning is salvation and acceptance from God, but what we are talking about is transformation or spiritual formation, the process by which we're made more like Christ. And so my question for you this morning is, what is the state of your soil? What is the state of your soil? Well, to start to take a temperature, let's explore these different soils. To begin with, we have the path. 
The ground is hard so the seed cannot settle, and the seed gets snatched away. The rocky, there's fertile soil for the seed to settle, but there's no depth to root. The thorns, there's fertile soil, but the soil is full of weeds that choke out fruit growing. And then finally, the good. The soil is fertile and the ground is clear, so by patient endurance, a miraculous harvest comes. Now, just as a quick aside, why do I say a miraculous harvest comes? That's not something that's in the passage, is it? Well, this Professor Michael Knowles, um, if you think I'm a dork, he's like on a whole nother level. Uh, he, he did some studies on ancient agrarian in uh, ancient Israel and uh, the returns on crops, because, you know, who doesn't do that sort of thing? And what he discovered is that uh, a common re um, reaping would be about four to five times. That if you sowed a crop, you'd expect four to five times. So Jesus says a hundredfold. This is ridiculous, right? Like, this is an immense amount Overwhelming, and then in case you're like, well, that, that's fine, but it could happen. Maybe there was enough rain like last summer or something. Jesus, or sorry, in Genesis 26, 12, we read this about how Isaac planted crops in the land, and that same year he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The kind of growth talked about in this parable is something that only God can do. This isn't our work. This isn't something that we try to force to have happen. Instead, it's a miracle. Because here's the good news about transformation, about spiritual formation, about, in the words of John Orberg, becoming the me I want to be. It's all a miracle. It's all the work of God. True and lasting transformation, becoming people of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is not our work. It's the work of the Spirit in us. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Our job is to become the kind of soil that the Spirit can grow His fruit in. Soil that is soft, fertile, cleared of rocks and thorns. Soil that is cultivated. So again, the question comes, what is the state of your soil? Is it hard? Has it not been tended or fertilized? Has the ground become parched and cracked? Are you running so hard and so busy that the depth of it is shrinking as the winds blow and the rocks find their way up to you? Has it been left to its own devices and ignored and now the weeds have crept up into it? Is it fertile and good and clear from obstacles? Maybe it depends on when I ask. Because the reality is this. We can vacillate between these four soils. That as life comes its way, as our semester gets fuller and fuller, as hockey season picks up into minor hockey week, as work projects come and come and stack up and stack up on one side, or as summer comes and you find time for rest and relaxation, or it gets so cold you can't go outside because your car won't start, or maybe you get some wind in your sails and you pick up a new scripture reading plan, or you've been walking through soul care and you've found some freedom. Or perhaps you've been inspired to try practicing solid, silence and solitude since Linda talked about it a few weeks ago. As we do these things, they can change the content of our soil. Because the type of soil you are isn't set in stone. Instead, it's something that can be cultivated or ignored. So again, the question is, what's the state of your soil?
Because here's the problem. Modern life hardens the soil. Our world moves at such a fast pace that we are so, and we are so continuously on the go. And when we, are even, when we finally slow down and stop, we're so endlessly distracted by social media, video games, streaming services, and other flickering pixels that captivate our imagination and our attention that when we look for rest, we only find distraction, restlessness, and escape. We go, 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 and then we find it hard to be still. We're tired and we have no idea how to rest anymore without going on a vacation. We're a culture marked by what's called hurry sickness, a continuous struggle, an unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things and participate in more and more events in less and less time. More and more things in less and less time. Does this sound like anything you know? Maybe we'd call it now fear of missing out. This is making us physically and mentally and spiritually sick. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer suggests 10 of following symptoms for hurry sickness. Irritability, hypersensitivity, restlessness, workaholism, or just nonstop activity, emotional numbness, out of order priorities, lack of care for your body, escapist behaviors, slippage of spiritual disciplines, and isolation. When you look at that list, does it sound like somebody you know? I know it does to me, and it's the person who's standing on stage right now. Friends, the pace of our lives, the notifications from our phones, and the constant noise in us and around us shapes us. It makes us fragmented and distracted, and if the goal is to be good soil in which the Spirit can grow His fruit, we've got our work cut out for us. Now, to help you understand how drastic this case is, uh, let's listen to some voices on spiritual formation. Uh, most of these are gathered from that Ruthless Elimination of Hurry book uh, by John Mark Comer. I'd recommend it if you're more interested in this at all. Uh, it's really eye-opening. Uh, first of which, uh, Dallas Willard, who is probably the best thinker of spiritual formation in the last hundred years, said this, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. C.S. Lewis's spiritual director, Walter Adams, wrote, to walk with Jesus is to walk a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. Ronald Rollheiser, a Catholic academic, writes, pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks within our spiritual lives. Then Dallas Willard asks the obvious question, what good ever happened when you're in a hurry? And any parent late for school knows the answer to that. Gordon MacDonald writes, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. And then lastly, John Ortberg states, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, is that we'll become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we'll settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. So let's think back to our parable for a second. There's a seed that falls on the path that's hard, and it can't settle in. Well, what happens next? We read that the birds come and pick it up, and when Jesus tells us what this means, he says it's the devil, that the devil comes and takes away the seed. Friends, 
He has an assignment on our lives. His goal is to steal, kill, and destroy, to take away from the life and life to the full that Jesus promises. Satan does not want you abiding in Christ. He does not want you to be formed to be like Jesus because he knows how powerful that would be for the kingdom. And so instead, he'll use whatever tools he has to his advantage and hurry and distraction are some of the enemy's primary ways in which he works against us. We're often on the lookout for the big and the obvious, and here he comes in the small and the subtle. So we need to be aware. And so if this is a situation we find ourselves in, how do we do this? How do we become good soil? Can we even do it, or do we just give up? Well, this past summer, Sam and I tried another crack at gardening. We've been doing this for a few years. Uh, we had the luxury a number of years ago of living in the Niagara Escarpment, and it was easy. You just kind of put stuff in the ground and left it, and all of a sudden you had peppers until November. It was amazing. So we came here, and uh, we were like, well, let's go to Costco, because that's what you do. And we got ourselves a nice garden box, and we went to Black Dirt uh, and got some good soil, and we were ready to go. Uh, Charles Noyan provided us with some good uh, seed potatoes. We got all of everything else we wanted, stuck it all on the ground, and kind of let it do its thing, because that's what you do. I knew I needed to water it, but you guys all remember last summer. I didn't need to do anything. And so uh, weeks passed, and I started seeing these like, stalks come up with this yellow uh, flower on it, and it looked really good. So I went out and inspected, and a few weeks went by. I was like, man, these things are doing really good. I don't know if these are beans, if these are peas, because I don't know what things look like. And uh, as I looked at them, I started looking in the back field, and we have a canola field in our back field. <laughs> and I started Googling, and Google was telling me something I didn't want to hear. So then I called Debbie Mills, and I was like, Debbie, I've got these yellow flowers on these long stalks in my, ba in my garden. What do these mean? She's like, you have that canola field, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I think you know. <laughs> yeah. So we'd had to do the hard work of uh, pulling out all the canola that had grown up as it was blowing in. And then again, we kind of left it to do its thing because that's what I do, apparently. And so a month passed, we went on vacation, we came back, and our garden was amazing. It was so green, it was so full, like plants were just falling over the side, that's how good it was doing. The only problem is every time we went to look for any sort of fruit or vegetable, there was nothing to be found. And then and we're just like, I don't know what's going on. We put in good soil, things are well, green is happening, there's no more canola. And then one day, a friend stopped by, and she took a look at our garden, and she went to Sam, she's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> she's like, you know you need to thin that out a little bit, right? Like, you've got a jungle going on there. And so she did the hard work of thinning out our garden for us, and what ended up happening? Well, all of a sudden, we had cucumbers and tomatoes. I think the beans died a really short death. But our garden had overgrown so much, it could not actually sustain fruit. And I think our souls are like this as well. That our souls have become so overgrown that they can't support the fruit of maturation. They're cluttered with unconfessed sin, with lies and agreements, distractions that are keeping us from being present. And on the outside, they're filled with so much noise, visual, audio, and busyness, that there's no space to grow fruit. So what's the solution? The solution is to cultivate our soil and our environment. 
So first of all, how do I cultivate my soil? Well, we need to relearn and practice how to be present to God and to others. Because the truth is God is always present to us. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. He's always available to us. But are we always available to him? Being present sounds simple and easy. And in some ways it is. But in other ways, it's crazy hard because we've been shaped by our fast-moving, multitasking world. Again, John Mark Comer distills some research and says this, cue a terrifying trend. Our attention span is dropping with each passing year. In 2000, before the digital revolution, it was 12 seconds. Since then, it's dropped to eight seconds. To put things in perspective, a goldfish has the attention span of nine seconds. <laughs> yes, that's right. We're losing to goldfish. I know that's funny, but it's also terrifying. And I laugh about it, but then all of a sudden I wait and notification hits and I'm gone somewhere else. I don't know about you. This is due to us immersing ourselves in a world which Microsoft researcher Linda Stone says is, uh, has a continuous partial attention is our new normal. We're so used to multitasking. We're so used to doing three or four things, or for us guys, one or two things that we can't handle being present anymore. Now compare this to Exodus 3, 1 to 3. We read, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And you have to ask yourself the question, how long did Moses have to pay attention before he realized the bush wasn't burning up? Was it more than eight seconds? Now, what if Moses was sitting there and he had the, that scroll going on and he just missed it all together or, you know, he was looking, he's like, oh, that's weird, and all of a sudden, notification popped up. He could have missed the moment just like that. Or consider this in Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. There's something about stillness that allows us to know God. There's something about stillness where God meets us. The one we stop, which God calls his people to do for a whole day every seven days, it's called Sabbath, that we encounter God in a profound way. That in the stillness, we're finally able to settle down enough to be the present to the God who reveals himself to Elijah in a whisper or the sound of nothingness. Or consider Genesis 28, 16, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. All of life is primed with the presence of God and the ability to connect with him. But I think we all too often, myself included, miss out on him because we're going too quick we're too distracted, and there's too much noise in and around us. When was the last time you felt the presence of God in an unexpected place? When was the last time you just stopped and took in the beauty of the stars, which the Psalms tell us declare the glory of the Lord? We need Jesus to teach us once again how to be with him. So how do we do this? How do we learn to be present to the omnipresent God? How do we cultivate the soil of our inner life? Well, 
Again, nothing new. It's through spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are the ways that we cultivate our soil. There are these ancient practices that, take, that we take part in to draw us into the presence of God, to help us learn the awareness of God, to till the soil of our soul, to fertilize the soil that has had all the nutrients sucked out of it, to bring a watering can to parched soil so we can get enough to receive the rain of the Spirit when it comes. Practices like silence and solitude, and if you want more information about that, Linda spoke about it a few weeks ago. Reading scripture, prayer, worshiping together, thankfulness, taking communion, practicing generosity, confessing sin, serving, and many more. These things help us learn those unforced rhythms of grace from Jesus. They reorient our lives, taking us from the center and putting Christ back on the throne. So like Graham said last week, start small. Pick one. Try it out this week and pick a realistic amount of time. Don't shoot for an hour of science and solitude if you can't even handle eight seconds. Try five minutes of silence or two minutes of silence where you meditate on a phrase like, be still and know that I am God. Maybe take the time at the end of your day to prayerfully reflect on the day and ask, where was I present to you, God, today? Where were you and I didn't even realize it? Take time to be in the scriptures. Maybe find a a reading plan you can do and somebody you can do it along with because as we all know, it's a lot easier when you have somebody who's pushing you along. But find a practice that you can engage in that will help to till the soil of your soul. It's in these practices that we attune ourselves to the presence of Christ and cultivate our soil. But it's not just our inner lives. It's also our outer lives that need to be cultivated. And so how do we cultivate our environments? Well, let me begin with recognizing that I just told you that, uh, the, about some things that are going to take time. And time is something all of us are lacking. And the truth of the matter is, even if we had more time, if we all get, were given an extra hour or two, we'd find ways to squander it really quick. So the solution isn't more time. Instead, the solution is to redeploy time to pull out the thorns of life that are distracting us from the best, to thin back the good things that are taking up too much time and ask ourselves, what's helping, or ask ourselves, is this helping me become the me I want to be? In the parable this morning, Jesus said, the seed that falls among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, are choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. You can have the best soil to grow in, like I had with my garden. But if you let other things grow up in it, you won't get the desired fruit. And so what does Jesus say these things are? Life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Sounds like everything our modern life has to offer. Sounds like everything I find on my Instagram feed and you on whatever social media platform you desire. I don't know, there's a new one every week. Listen to this, Sean Parker, the first president of Facebook, you may remember him as Justin Timberlake in the movie speaks of the ethics of social media. God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. The thought process that went into building these applications, Facebook being the first of them, was all about how do we consume as much of your attention, or time and conscious attention as possible. How do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? Think how quickly you can fall into that deadly vortex of the scroll. You get a notification, you're going to look at one quick thing and all of a sudden, five minutes have passed, 
10 minutes have passed. It's so easy to lose yourself in it. These things are shaping us. They're making us more anxious, more distracted. Or think about chasing after possessions. You know, you decide you need something and you want something real bad and it takes up your focus as you start dreaming about how it will change your life and you start reading reviews, you watch unboxing videos and demonstrations on YouTube, you put in your cart on Amazon and it captures your attention and your affection. Chasing after pleasures. Our culture is obsessed lately with the, the idea of the experience, of having that best experience, usually an expensive trip, and then sharing it on our feeds. And our best lives, we're repeatedly told, is one that comes from experience, that fulfillment comes from vacation. Maybe it's hockey. You find yourself running to the arena three to four nights a week because your kids just need to have every opportunity but they end up missing out on the gift of your face-to-face -face presence and attention. We need to take time to consider and ponder what the thorns are that we're allowing us to take up our focus. What things are pulling us away, what things are getting our best. And then we need to continuously evaluate what else is coming up, because if I know anything about weeds, it's that more weeds will come when you pull out the old weeds. Our possessions demand our attention. Our brands demand our loyalty, our notifications demand our notice, and our worries demand our energy. But the invitation of Jesus is into a simpler life. One that doesn't have to be involved in everything. One that doesn't have to binge watch the latest season on Netflix. One that just takes time to be still. Because there will never be enough time and so we need to simplify our lives by ripping up thorns that are choking us out. Again, I'm a fellow journeyer on this. I don't speak as one who has it all together, but as one that's frustrated by my lack of growth. I want to be more like Christ, but I often find myself being more shaped by the world around me. That's why I'm constantly putting limits on my technology and uh, trying to cut things out, because I know but if I want to grow, I have to be intentional. Because becoming like Christ does not happen haphazardly. You can't trip your way into becoming like Jesus. Instead, becoming fragmented, distracted, and exhausted does. If you want to trip into anything, that's what'll come. If we want to be like Christ, we need to rebel against the ways of our modern world, reject the narrative of our culture that tells us life is found in possessions, busyness, and experiences. The fulfillment is found in those things and not Christ. But the truth, again, is fulfillment and life is found in Christ and Christ alone. And this Christ, he does not leave you alone in this. We do this work of cultivating the soil of our lives in, in tandem with Jesus, as the Spirit grows His fruit in us. Some of you are tired and weary. You're even burned out from religion. You've been trying really hard to change. You've been taking those six simple steps, you've been trying this or that, and nothing's happening. And you're ready to give up. I think Jesus' message to you this morning is this. Stop. Stop trying to do a job that's not yours to do. And instead, come to him. Bring your troubles, bring your weariness to him. 
Now, maybe you've never done this before, and Jesus' invitation to you today is just to come to him. Find in him love and acceptance. Find in him someone who doesn't judge you based on your productivity, based on your knowing the right things, based on you doing the right things. Jesus' invitation is for you just to join him and learn from him a whole new way of seeing the world, to find life in his name. For others of you, this is an invitation to become more of who you already are, not by producing anything, but abiding. In 2 Corinthians 5, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. As we abide in Christ, as we work this through, we become who we already are in the eyes of God. Because in the eyes of God, when he looks at us, he sees Jesus, which is who the goal is to become like. And as we take part in these spiritual disciplines, as we work at cultivating our soil, and as the Spirit slowly transforms us, we become more and more of who we already are in the eyes of God. And there's others of you that we need to hear from. Because what I've talked about today, you don't see in your own life. You've found ways to rebel against the modern world. You're not controlled by your phone. You're not controlled by technology. You're not controlled by a marginless schedule. And the rest of us, we need you. We need people who figured out how to do this. People who figured out how to be present to Jesus. And so for look, look for us, the distracted ones, you'll, it'll be easy to see us, we'll be like this. <laughs> Come alongside us. Lead us to this Jesus in his unforced rhythms of grace. As a church, we need one another. And remember, all transformation is a gift of grace from God. Your character being shaped isn't something that you made happen because you're so awesome. It's something God has done in you. We do the work of cultivating the inner soil and the environment of our outer life, and the Spirit does his job of growing the fruit of Christ in us. And like this passage tells us, it'll take time It's only with patient endurance that harvest comes. And so if you're looking for instant results, I'm sorry, there's no simple, quick fix. It's about a long obedience in the same direction. But if we're patient and can handle the long haul with Jesus, we'll find that maybe, just maybe, the Spirit would grow in us love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why don't you ask yourself, Could our world use a little bit more of that? Couldn't the world use just a little bit more of the Christ in us? Couldn't our world just use a little bit more of this hope of glory that is found in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? So let's pray together. God, thank you that you are the one who does this in us. Thanks that you're not expecting us to do something that we can't do, but instead you are gentle and kind with us. No matter how many times we mess up, and no matter how uh, many times we don't measure up to what we expect, you're there with grace. You're welcoming us back. So Spirit, would you lead us 
Would you lead us to take a look at the soil of our souls? Would you give us a picture of what's growing up in and around us? Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you promised to bring so we'd know what way is best? So that we can become people who are present with you. So we can become people whose soils have been tilled, who the air is clear around so that we can be present to you, so that we can be present to a hurting and broken world, so that we can be people of hope and joy. So Spirit, we need you. And Jesus, we need you. So come, Lord Jesus, come. Would you come with the love of the Father and transform us? Amen. So um, if you're wondering a bit more about how to, to go deeper in this stuff or you're just even looking for some unhurried time with God, I invite you to come out tonight at 7 o'clock to our encounter night at the auditorium. We're going to be exploring ways of being present to this God who is present to us. And then we're going to spend a lot of time worshiping this God who is present to us. Uh, if you'd like someone to pray with, um, perhaps you're wondering how to come to this Jesus or uh, you just feel really stuck and you need someone to walk alongside you, our prayer team in the corner would love to pray with you. Uh, and if you find yourself sitting on a chair and are wondering what to do with it, we'd love you to help us put it away. And if you even feel so brave, we'd love you to help us even with a stage today too. And so, as we go, may we go in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we go filled beyond uh, the brim with the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we may know what way is best. And may we go experiencing his presence wherever we find him. Go in peace, my friends. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.